I am here today with Annalisa Steffen. She is a manager for digital engagement at the J. Paul Getty Museum in L.A., California. Hi, Annalisa. Nice Hi, to have Justin. you here. Hi. Thanks so, for interviewing me today. Yeah, I'm so excited about this interview. It's, it's pretty great. Um, I was wondering if, if you wouldn't mind um, telling me a little bit about yourself um, and maybe what your background is. Sure. Um, so I've been at the Getty for a really long time. I've actually been here, I think, going on 12 years in a variety of different roles. Um, sort of going back to the beginning of my career, I am—I guess I have a background in words, you could say. Um, I've worked as a book editor, as a database editor, um, as a writer, as a graphic designer, um, and also in story development um, at a movie studio, which is a really fancy way of saying turning ways to turn books into movies. Um, so I guess I've always been interested in telling stories, mostly with words, but um, you know, words and pictures. Um, I also let's see. In terms of my education, I have a undergrad degree in art history and a grad degree in linguistics. So again, words. Um, and since I've been at the Getty, um, I've had a number of roles. I started out doing um, being a website editor, so that meant writing, editing for all kinds of things on the website, also managing our email marketing, so all kinds of different communication vehicles. So I've worked on everything from you know web pages to apps to and now social media as well. Um, so uh, I've always been, I guess, engaged with telling stories in different ways and how to adapt them from one medium to the next has always been a real interest of mine. Um, and then I guess on side note, personal note, I am um, spend a lot of my free time doing animal rescue and um, working on environmental and native plant projects. That has absolutely nothing to do with my work. <laughs> um, but that's sort of me in a nutshell. That's amazing. <laughs> That's great. Um, wow, that's a really rich and fulfilling background. Um, I was kind of curious. Do you feel like your experiences have led you to um, your success in social media? Well, definitely um, having a lot of background in writing and editing um, is certainly something I draw on all the time. I mean, even something as simple as a tweet can be Written, written well or not, not so well. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I will say that I definitely have a gap in my skill set in terms of media production. So I work with, I'm lucky to have a team where we have people who do stills and motion graphics and video. Um, mm -hmm. So together, so I bring sort of the editorial piece to the team and then other folks bring the multimedia production piece to the team. Um, <coughs> I think, I guess of my background, the thing that, like I said, alluded to in a, a moment ago, the thing that I find most useful is just having worked on so many different forms of communication. Mm -hmm. Like, it seems hard to believe now, but when I started at the Getty a long time ago, you know, e-newsletters were like the new hip new thing. So, like, every two <laughs> years there's some new hip new thing, and, and you know, right. now it's maybe social or video. But, you know, email was the thing back then that no one knew how to write for it or what was why we were doing it or what it was about. So, like, it's just social media is just the latest kind of frontier, and then the right. newer communication um, technology, I guess you could say. And I, w so I would imagine, <laughs> too, like having, you know, been a part of the evolution of uh, social media and media in general, I'm sure that really gives you a really uh, keen insight on how to apply these things. 
Yeah, I've seen, so at the Getty, you know, um, and I'm, sh I'm sure the same is true of many places, many large places, large museums too, um, you know, when social media started, I think there was a lot of real concern among decision makers about sort of what, what disagreement and concern about what our voice should be. You know, we, we didn't really, I mean, to be honest, we didn't really have an institutional voice. You know, we had brochures and wall text, but that's not really a voice. And so being at the beginning of that conversation about who do we want to be, what do we want to sound like, how do we want to talk, um, what's our personality, who are we reaching, all those really important questions that social media kind of broke wide open, right. um, I think were really interesting. I mean, challenging, I think, in many ways, but also really interesting, really meaty, interesting questions. Well, I think it's interesting that you brought up um, the voice of the Getty because I have to say that was one reason why I was really um, – excited to talk to you guys because I find on, on Twitter, um, to me, you have a really um, fun yet knowledgeable voice, and I like the fact that you, you seem to engage as many people as you can um, you know, pretty quickly, and, and it makes everyone feel like they're, they're important and they're a part of things. Um, what would you say your, your voice is um, at the Getty? That's so funny you should ask. I was just came out of a meeting earlier today where we looked at a list of 37 adjectives, <laughs> and we tried to figure out which ones here. I'm going to get it out right now. I'm good. I'm going to get. We crossed off a bunch that were not us, and then we had some debate about ones that maybe were us and maybe weren't. Um, okay. So, so here you go. Here I got it in front of me. Um, in enthusiastic, informative, witty, um, smart intriguing, casual. Now, I'm saying these are aspirational. I'm not saying we hit all those. Well, I, I we definitely think you've hit quite a few of them. <laughs> <that>, like, <laughs> Thank so you. and knowledgeable. Um, yeah, that's what caught my eye, because I, I thought that you guys were able to, to you know, um, communicate knowledge in a fun and kind of witty way that I, that really, like, like I said, it, it caught my eye, and I thought, wow, who are these people doing this? Like, Oh, that's nice of you to say. Over there, they're great. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 challenging, right? Because we want to. I mean, it, um, we kind of think of ourselves as art nerds communicating with other nerds. Like we're definitely very nerdy. Like, but in that sense of like, we're really into this thing, and we we hope you're going to be into it too. Mm -hmm. Rather mm -hmm. than we know this thing, and we're going to tell you what we know. That's not. We try to not approach it like that. Um, didn't mostly succeed. Not always, but. Um, no, that's, yeah, so that's some, I'll tell you some of the right. words that we crossed out as ones we definitely okay. don't want to be. Okay. Um, cheerful, conservative. We like to be friendly, but cheerful seems like going too far. Mm -hmm. um, authoritative. Um, we prefer informative. Mm -hmm. Dry, edgy, uh, funny. So witty we like, but funny maybe not so much. Snarky. <laughs> Romantic. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> Um, and provocative, not so much. Intriguing, yes. Provocative, no. So, you know, we're trying to be sort of uh, still, it's still an institutional voice, but one that's um, approachable and um, enthusiastic. So yeah, I really love that because I, I think that it really um, echoes what's going on right now in the museum industry. Um, the switch that has been, you know, uh, conscious or unconsciously made um, that it's a museum, it's a it's a visitor-centered, you know, experience now. I think that a lot of museums mm -hmm. are looking for, and I feel that 
um, you guys are, are a very approachable museum, in, especially in the social media arena, that people want to approach you and want to talk to you, engage you. And I, I think that that really speaks um, for the, the voice and the tone that you guys convey. So I, I think that's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we, um, we actually relatively recently we completed a social media audit um, working with Forrester Research, which is a um, research and consulting firm. And one of the things that they were really reminding us again and again and again um, was that people are on social media to accomplish their goals. They're not on social media um, to, you know, do the things we want them to do, like click through or attend our program. Mm -hmm. So understanding why they're there um, mm -hmm. and what the norms of their communication is is really like our – before we can get anywhere, we have to think of people as pursuing their own goals rather than just using social media as like a – glorified RSS feed for our news and links and what right. have you. That's a really so good point. we keep trying to always remind ourselves, you know, it's easy when you're in your institutional silo to forget that people are there for themselves and not, you know, to just interact with you, but it's true. Mm -hmm. So um, that's worth reminding ourselves of every day. Yeah, wow. That's, I mean, and, but that's really huge. I mean, I think that's really great that you are mindful of that and that it really comes across, and that's great. Um, Thank you. You know, I, I was wondering, um, you know, the, the Getty uses Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Google+, YouTube, Pinterest, and mm -hmm. you, you guys have um, a blog called The, the Iris. Um, which platforms do you think are, are most successful? Um, you know, I was looking at your question, and it's it's a good one. Um, I'm not. I'm going to kind of hedge a bit and say that it. I guess it depends on what you mean by success. So, in terms of like just follower numbers, um, our Twitter, our Twitter presence. So, um, mm -hmm. and I, I want to tell you a little bit about the way to get structured in a second. But our Twitter presence collectively has you know most followers. So I think okay. we're very strong there. Our Pinterest, uh, Getty Museum Pinterest as well. Um, in terms of uh, reach of our content, um, I think Facebook is still really important for us, as much as some of us might, you know, wish it wasn't anymore. But mm. in terms of total reach, Facebook I think is probably our most important platform. Um, but in terms of some of the other goals that we have, like reaching younger audiences, and by younger I mean like millennials, like late, you know, college um, to young adult. Mm -hmm. um, I think actually our Instagram and our Tumblr, we have a Tumblr as well, are really are mo the most successful of the ones that my team works on. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> Tumblr is, um, I know it's, it's a platform that some museums have been on and dropped and been on and dropped, but um, we've consistently found it to perform really, really well for us um, in the little niche that we're in. So I guess so that's my, my sort of long, not very specific answer to your question. Um, I'm, since you're including the blog in there, um, certainly, it's not. It's lower in terms of total numbers, but because it's an owned media property, where we can, you know, it's a great place for us. It's it's certainly the most useful, I would say, for us in terms of our content strategy overall, because it's a place where we can drive people and and you know own the messaging, update frequently, and so on, and showcase staff voices. So that's that's I a lot of my time is devoted to the iris. So I'm biased, totally biased on this, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I definitely find it the most the most useful, and it's a, it's a resource that all of our social accounts draw on um, okay. for across the Getty, so it's something that's common to all of, you know, it's a shared resource for everyone at the Getty, which is also something that's really important to me. 
Uh, well, actually, that, that completely leads into my, my next question, which is um, the content. Um, do you designate specific content to each platform? Um, actually, I'm, now I'm really curious to, to find out a little bit more about um, your blog, since you were just talking ab about the content. Um, maybe, maybe we could start with that. What exactly sure. do you uh, put on the iris? Um, so the IRIS, we redesigned the IRIS and the redesign went up in late May. And at the time that we were doing the, the um, redesign and re-architecture, we also took the opportunity to really look at what was doing well and what wasn't. Um, like, like I think some dig museum digital projects that ha it had launched initially kind of as a, hey, we should have a blog, kind of a, that was sort of the <laughs> extent of the conversation. Um, so we really... Over time, we're always looking at this, but we really looked much more critically about what was doing well. We talked to lots of people who wrote for the blog, people who read it, um, and so on. And we really narrowed it, the focus of the blog down to behind the scenes at the Getty. So that's the tagline that you'll see if you were to visit the iris. It's at the top. Um, so I guess maybe that sounds self-explanatory, you know, obvious, like that was what the blog would be. But um, we thought of many other directions we could take it. Mm -hmm. um, um, at the same time, we. Uh, developed two primary audiences for the blog, one of which are what we call arts enthusiasts. And these are people um, that typically are over 30. They probably um, have been to the Getty before, maybe repeat visitors. Um, and they're interested in art but don't have much of a background in it. And I would include in that audience people like we have a lot of um, teachers, so okay. uh, lower college or high school teachers who are looking for material for their students. We have docents who work at the Getty who are not, don't consider themselves experts, but are always looking to learn. So people that sort of lifelong learners. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second audience is actually art history or cultural heritage professionals. So we have devoted a new section to scholarship by, written by and for scholars. Okay. So um, rather than thinking about so much the topics that we cover, although we certainly do think about that, we also think about who these audiences are and what we um, can learn from them about what they're interested in and what they need. They need. So, like for example, one thing we've heard from scholars is that they're really interested in hearing from other scholars like them about the professional challenges that they're facing and how they're kind of managing those, or new technologies on the horizon, things like that. Um, just but in terms of just the sort of topics we cover, the collections um, and archives we cover. Um, all with sort of with a behind-the-scenes angle, certainly exhibitions. And we also cover the technology projects that we work on at the Getty. And we also spend a fair amount of time talking about our conservation work, um, which is a lot of that, a lot of which goes on behind the scenes. So the scholarship, the research, and things like that all wow, from behind-the-scenes angle. Wow, that's all on the blog then. Yeah. So we publish wow. almost every day um, during the week, Monday through Friday. So we typically have you know at least four or five things that go up every week. So we have a pretty broad diversity of articles um, on the IRIS. That's great. And I think you asked me another question, but you'll have to ask it again because I <laughs> wandered off there. Well, <laughs> you know, that's that's really awesome. I'm, I was I actually didn't realize that the IRIS had um, so many facets to it. So I, I find that pretty uh, interesting. Um, I was just kind of wondering, like, what. Um, like say Instagram and Facebook, um, do you feature collections on on there as well, or or is the blog something solely where you would put a collection or a recent exhibition? 
form, or is it that something that you kind of reserve for, I, I don't know, like selfies or something? What do you Right. Do you, yeah, yeah. No, we would put do? most of that on our social as well. Um, okay. It depends. I think it's sort of the, the, the length or, you know, the well, thinking in, in terms of layers, you know, so mm. like Twitter and Facebook and then the blog, so it's like uh, giving people an entree into the blog stuff. Um, but, yeah, we absolutely do. And um, I just want to say a note about the Getty, which is a really big place, and I think we'll come back to this in a future question, but we have multiple branches. And so um, the blog, like I said, is kind of a central hub. And then if we have something about um, the museum collection, it would be on the museum Facebook page. But if we had something about research, it would go on the Getty Research Institute Facebook page or the Getty Twitter or something like that. Um, but we certainly do talk about all of those things on social. Um, mm -hmm. I think the main difference for the blog, in addition to simply the fact that it's so flexible and that it's an own space for us, you know, it's on our servers, we have total control over the content and whether someone sees it or not, mm -hmm. um, and being able to archive it for the future, um, oh, is okay. that the blog pieces are written by the entire staff, everyone from, you know, interns to our president writes for the IRIS. And so we really encourage people who write there to write from their point of view, even if it's just an in-passing mention of an opinion or something. But it's um, it's really, we don't try to have sort of a standard voice for the iris. It's really about what people want to say and how they want to talk about their stuff, and everything's bylined. So everyone, that's you know, great. everything has someone's name on it, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, I think. Yeah, I, not I noticed that, actually, when I uh, visited the iris. It makes a lot more sense now hearing it from you, um, where the content comes from. I love that. I love the fact that everyone gets to have um, kind of like a voice um, within their experiences uh, at the museum. Um, you know, I I think we probably could talk about that other question <laughs> if you wanted to. Sure. About the different branches of the game. Yeah, yeah. I'm dying yeah. to find out how all of this gets handled because. Um, the Getty is huge, and uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I was just kind of wondering. Uh, um, let's see, how how do your efforts for the museum dovetail, complement, or complete with those other voices for the Getty? Um, yeah, there are pros and cons for the institution. For sure, do it this way. Um, please explain. <laughs> yes, I I will happily explain. So I I work on the the accounts called that are called at the Getty, so at the Getty which is sort of a shorthand for the J. Paul Getty Trust. The J. Paul Getty Trust, I work in the trust. The trust is the umbrella organization for the entire organization. Okay. And then within the, the trust, the Getty, we have five pieces. Um, we have four what we call programs, which are the J. Paul Getty Museum, the Getty Research Institute, the Getty Conservation Institute, and the Getty Foundation. And then we also have an art publisher that publishes about, I think it's about 35 t book titles a year print and digital Getty publications. So we have, in essence, six entities, so the Getty, the Getty Trust, and then um, publications and the four programs. So um, all the way our social media is structured now is we have social media accounts for all of the six entities. So not every, you know, when I say entity, I mean, you know, branch or whatever you want to call the different parts of the Getty. Now, not every branch has all the platforms, so like we don't have six Pinterest, you know, we have one and so on. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it definitely can be confusing, not only for the public, but internally for ourselves. Um, mm. And we've had many, many discussions kind of over the years about pros and cons of maybe merging all the accounts into one brand or 
um, you know, continuing with the decentralized approach. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think our leadership definitely thinks of the Getty as a little bit more akin to maybe a university than to a museum in the sense that, you know, you might have like Harvard, you might have the undergrad, you know, the college, and you might have the School of Engineering, and you might have the business school and so on. Um, so there's really strong desire among our leadership here to keep it, um, you know, distributed. Um, so that causes, I think there's some pros and cons to that. Um, so the good good things about that are, you know, like if you're working in, let's say, the Getty Conservation Institute um, and you are working on your um, Twitter, you, know, you can have the flexibility to publish right away without going through a centralized gatekeeper, like within communications or what have you. Mm -hmm. um, the, the different outlets also allow us to reach different audiences, so we might focus one account on, you know, one kind of audience and another account on another. So it's, you know, instead of having one account that's supposed to be for everyone, we really, mm -hmm. it opens up the opportunity to have more targeted audiences, which is really good. Um, it also allows for social media to kind of be owned throughout the institution, so it's not like there's just one person or one department saying this is ours and you have to do it our way. That's great. Um, so that's all really good. Um, some of the things that are maybe less good are sometimes we can have dis, you know, dissimilar voice and tone or messaging mm. that can be confusing. Um, mm -hmm. And we do sometimes have you know, duplication of effort or maybe you know, accidental um, competition for content. So like who's, who posts what in what order and that, wait, which account should that go on, and should that go here, and what about this Instagram? And you know, there's a lot of sort of coordination that then goes into it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess there's some maybe some disagreement about how the Getty is perceived and how we want to per to be perceived. So do we actually want to be one? Do we want to be many? Um, do we want to be both? If we if we want to be both, is that realistic? And so on. So um, there's you know there's a lot of pros and cons in each and. Like I mentioned sure. earlier, we've been going. We went through a, a social media audit with the help of Forrester, and this is one of the one of the main questions that they took up about how to how to how to manage this. Um, I think one of the recommendations that they came away with is that actually, just because of the number of accounts, it can be rather confusing for mm -hmm. someone who wanted to engage with us as yeah. to which who is who and which part of the Getty is which. Um, so we're kind of working on that and thinking through how we can make that better while still retaining the pros that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> so we're kind of in the in the thick of that right now. Yeah, that, that's very interesting. Um, I w yeah, I was kind of wondering how all of that worked, um, having so many branches. And um, I think you really explained it quite well. Um, uh, what do you think? Do, do you think it, it should be retained as, as one voice, or do you think each entity, um, you know, should should retain that, that part of, of the museum? What, what do you think would work Yeah. Best? Well, um, so not to keep going back to Forrester, but it's been such an important thing that we've done this year for all of us that I, you know, I keep thinking. We're, we're in the, really in the process of thinking through how to implement their recommendations. So yeah. Their recommendation was, in essence, I mean, they they were really they came up with a really smart recommendation, which was um, rather than thinking about it in terms of how the Getty is structured, mm -hmm. think about which audiences you want to target and structure your social media around those audiences. So, as an example, 
um, the Getty, I mentioned that's the, the one my team works on, the Getty Twitter and the museum Twitter mm-hmm. will often been sort of seemingly having duplicative content, and um, that's just been confusing both for us and for followers. And so in essence, Forrester is saying, well, make sure you're not targeting the same audience. Target different audiences. If you're targeting the same audiences, then maybe it's a candidate for merging those accounts or getting rid of one that's not performing. But really kind of be much more clear about who you want to target and then go from start there rather than starting with what Getty name is on the top of the page. Uh, Um, So, for example, right now we're doing a pilot project that's going to cover content from across the entire Getty but will be targeted to art and culture scholars and professionals. So that's something that, like, it's not branded with any Getty program name, but it's just made very clear in the title, like, this is for you. If you're a scholar, this is information that we hope will be useful for you. Okay. Um, so I think I think having, I mean, in the, I, if you had asked me that a year ago, I think I might have said, oh, it makes more sense to centralize and have it be one. Mm-hmm. But I actually don't think with the Getty, because we do have so many different target audiences, I don't think it would make sense to have one, one big account that... Um, you know, tries to reach everyone. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're trying to think through now is how does that actually look? So if, which audiences do we want to target? Where are they on digital and social? What right. do we have to offer them? Based on that, you know, how does our Twitter change? How does our Facebook change? You know, things like that. So that's that's where we are now. So I think it's really about prioritizing the audience rather than mm-hmm. kind of trying to figure out which of our Getty building blocks should go where. That's great. I mean, that's... That's amazing advice, um, you know, not just for your institution, but for any institution that is really coming into their own with social media, you know. So I, I think that's yeah. really wonderful. I'm, I'm happy that you shared that with me. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, I was wondering, speaking of your audience, <laughs> yeah. um, let, let's talk about audience engagement. Um how is it that you can engage such a large audience and so personally? Um, you know, you said that you had a team. H- how many people are on your team, and, and how does that all get delegated? So in my team, there's um, four of us. So we have um, myself, and I mostly manage the blog in addition to, you know, doing project management of team projects. Um, we have a media producer who does a lot of photography and sort of short social videos okay. um, and also works on the blog. And then we have a social media producer. And then we have a full-time um, videographer who does um, you know, most of our sort of longer form videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then across the rest of the Getty, there are design- there's like one or in some cases more than one designated staff that works on social media within that area. So like, for example, the Getty Museum has a full-time social media manager. Um, the Getty Conservation Institute has a um, an editor who works on the website and other many other projects, but also manages the social media for the Conservation Institute. Um, so, in terms of just keeping up with creating content, but also um, you know engaging with the audience that's taken the time to engage with us. Um, usually, we in terms of the social um, we uh, feeds the the three people on our team, we try to take turns, so we always cover evenings and weekends mm-hmm. um, so that no one gets burned out. You know, no one's job needs to be 24-7. It's not fair. Right, yeah. Um, 
but you know it's important, right? So someone can go on vacation, someone can be sick, someone can go visit yeah. their family, and there's other people to cover. Yeah, sure. Um, so then, just in terms of like staffing, that's how we do it. So I'm yeah, really blessed to have yeah. these other folks in the team that can all contribute to everything we make together. Yeah, I mean that's really wonderful. I, I was wondering uh, how how that all kind of got done. If there was just one person there all the time, and you know, um, especially I guess what made me start really wondering how you were able to engage your audience is because. Um, like I said, the, your voice for the Getty is so is so strong and unique that it, it was so unified to me that I felt like maybe it was really just one person, like, sitting there, like, day and night, hanging out at, at the computer. I'm glad to hear that it yeah. seems more unified. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I mean, sometimes I feel like some of us are that person, but, yeah, we um, – this is a – a very real I mean this is a very real thing for anyone who works in social media, right? It's like how do you how do you manage a twenty four seven activity when you're only human? Um That's right, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I mean if anyone has the answer I'd love to hear it. Um yeah. you know, more staff is great, but you know there's yeah. you know, just setting boundaries is good, having clear, you know, like you're on this weekend or I'm on Twitter and you're on Instagram or whatever is is really helpful. So yeah, it's it's That's very great. real. Yeah, I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what do you think about um, you know? So, while you're you're engaging your audiences and everything, um, do you ever keep in mind any particular like interpretive strategies? Like, maybe you know, is your maybe your overall idea and thought to connect people with people? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, during Ask a Curator Day, you guys were really active on that and. You know, you were able to connect me with with people that normally I, I would never have a chance to speak to. I mean, especially since I'm in New York and you're in California, and you know, um, not only that, but you know, the the gentleman I spoke to was a curator of photography, and what would be the the chances of me being able to speak to him about a wax print ever? You know, and it was great. Um, oh, good. So I was kind of wondering, like, you know, what do you keep in mind as interpretive strategies? So, yeah, that one we definitely use. Um, I mentioned earlier about um, we spend a lot of time um, encouraging staff to blog and really not only use a personal and formal voice, but to grow comfortable with um, talking about things before they're done, you know, talking about process, um, sharing challenges, you know, warts and all style, like really just being vulnerable and human. And hopefully that carries over to social too. And then Ask a Curator is another, or we also the Getty, the Getty account participated as well in the Ask an Archivist Day, which is similar, but for archivists, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so is to look, sort of always ask if when we're doing a digital project or even an analog project, sort of is there an opportunity for meaningful per, per, meaningful participation? So mm-hmm. sort of going beyond the hashtag. Um, you know, if it's if it's a live broadcast event, can we are we moderating the chat and bringing forward those questions to the speakers? Um, uh, we have a it's wrapping now, but we have a, a project where folks who sketch or take photos of the Getty when they're here are encouraged um, to sort of add them to an inspiration gallery that we created on our website. 
um, where we oh, can great. where we can reach out to them and say, "Gosh, this is gorgeous! Thank you so much for visiting and for making this beautiful sketch. Would you like to add it? Would you like to showcase it on our website? Here's how you do that." Oh, um, great. So just kind of always thinking about going beyond token participation. You know, going beyond like I, I don't know. Uh, just asking for sort of replies for no real reason um, and thinking, like, what are we actually trying to do here? How, are, What are we giving people as a, as a gift, you know? Mm -hmm. Thinking about, about it that way rather than thinking about, well, what hashtag can we get them to use? Um, so, but, yeah, connecting people to people for sure. Um, blog is a huge corner, cornerstone of that for us. Um, mm -hmm. And thinking about ways to also – so we – one of our goals at the Getty is to make our, our digital resources more accessible, but the, that usually tends to stop at making them sort of downloadable or viewable online for free, which is huge and very important. Yeah. But there's also another piece that needs to happen of that, which is making them um, intellectually and psychologically accessible. And I think that's something that we think about a lot. So let's say we have a linked open data set. Well, mm -hmm. do people know how to use that? Do they know why this is interesting? Can we give them examples or how-tos or stories about why what this what they could do with it? So, you know, taking it from just being on the website waiting for someone to come and visit it to creating, um, you know, scaffolding material around that using social and blogs. So that's something that we think about a lot too. Whether it's something as big as open data or if it's something as small as a digitized book on the Internet Archive that has no description, you know, how can we mm -hmm. give people a bridge to finding that stuff and making sense of it? Um, that's great. I'm not sure so if that's quite if that was a question, but that's what yeah. we we think about that a lot about unpacking the scholarly material in really accessible, meaningful ways. Right. No, that's that's great, and that, I mean that's something I I had never even thought of, like the idea that maybe there's this great stuff out there, but people wouldn't know how to access it or you know, understand why they would want to access it. And you know, right. um, giving those examples would be really valuable, you know, and, and we would really be able to communicate your message I as well. I love what the New York Public Library did. They were so smart when they released so many of their images into the public domain um, not too long mm -hmm. ago. They didn't just do that and dump them on the web and then say, here they are. They also made, they showcased really cool innovative projects repurposing that data. They had an artist in residence come and make things out of it. So they, they immediately started sort of trying to keep it, making it into a living resource as opposed to just a data dump. And, you know, that's like a, that's a really inspiring example for us of what yeah. you can do. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. That's, that's awesome. Um, I, I was kind of wondering, um, since we've been doing all, all this uh, amazing talk about how to to engage your audiences and, and things like that. Um, what do you think your most successful so the, uh, social media project um, slash campaign would be uh, with the Getty and why? So the project that's wrapping in like a week, it, it's okay. reached the year mark, which is what we agreed internally would be the end. We did a project called Getty Inspired, hashtag Getty Inspired. Um, and that was a combination of digital content. Like I mentioned earlier, there's a website where you can upload your own blog post of your art or your photo and then mm -hmm. say something about it. Um, but there's also an on-site Instagram campaign or Instagram signage on throughout the site on floor tiles um, that has been, I think, really successful. We've had over 30,000 Instagram posts 
with the hashtag mm-hmm. and over 150 user-generated blog posts uploaded to the Getting Inspired website featuring art and photography and stories about sort of what the what part of the Getty is meaningful to, to the person and why. Um, and this was really an attempt to kind of uh, capture folks who were already knew about the Getty and kind of loved it but had no place. That we really wanted to celebrate what they had created based on us and also understand what it was that they loved about us. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's actually the sneaky little bit of audience research going on there, too. (laughs) You know, it's not just that people, people do come to look at the paintings or whatever, but they also come for the most diverse possible reasons, you know, like, and and so capturing and honoring and honoring that was actually really important to us. And because I would say at the beginning, there was some friction internally around that. I mean, to say that if people come to a museum for their own reasons sounds pretty obvious, but not every museum or not every cultural institution is comfortable <laughs> with that. You know, we want we want them to come to the museum for our reasons. Right. And they, they right. don't. They come for their own. So whether it's to spend time with their toddler or to enjoy the views or whatever. Right. Um, so that was I, – I, I'm excited about that campaign. And I think what was really good for me about it as well is that it was a partnership with our marketing team. So it was very integrated web, um, social, on-site, um, we had some display advertising as well, so it um, it was great to have a campaign that was really well thought through from the beginning instead of just like a hashtag that we slapped on something and hope people would use. Um, and then I guess a smaller thing that I thought of that I thought was really great was um, Tumblr has a feature called Answer Time, which is sort of like Reddit's AMA, and we contacted Tumblr and they um, when you do an uh, answer time on Tumblr, it'll promote it to the entire Tumblr community. So we got a couple of our medieval art curators to uh, answer questions, and it was great because we got awesome. over 2,000 questions. And you know, they, I think they allotted like two hours to answer them, and they were there until they dropped, like until they were starving. <laughs> they were there for like over five hours oh my God. answering. I think they got through about 75 questions, but they had mm. you know th- literally thousands more they could have answered. Um, and people, because it was Tumblr, people are asking, you know, all kinds of questions from erudite to really sassy, and the curators were really willing to answer <laughs> any. And that, just, to me, was really important as just setting a model of openness. Like, if someone wants to yeah. know something, like, we're happy to answer the question. Like, we're not censoring the questions. Um, so I was just excited by the enthusiasm that we saw there and also the openness of the curators to participate in that. So that, that was pretty exciting. I, I was happy with that. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's really great. And, you know, I just wanted to um, to go back and, and touch on something that you were um, talking about, um, the idea that, you know, visitors come for their own, um, you know, for their own needs or, or whatnot, and the fact that you guys are, are embracing that idea, I think is actually really great because when it when it comes right down to it through the social media you're you're kind of doing um like social media community engagement um maybe it's on a worldwide scale but you know when the museum puts their own needs aside and focuses on the needs of the community uh as a whole um it creates that wonderful openness and that's what's going to be, you know, generating um, such wonderful responses and, and loyal 
uh, forging loyal connections and, um, you know, and people wanting to come back for more. It would be that kind of, um, you know, non, like non-judgment zone or, or authoritative mm-hmm. voice over them. So I just, I just think that's really great. Yeah, it's sort of our dream to have, like, one thing that we get really excited about is um, when we see, obviously we want to, you know, reach broad and new audiences, but when we see, like, the same people coming back and again, like, again and again, like, during earlier in the year we had a weekly Periscope show, and, you know, we would see, like, the same people, and new people every time, too, but the same folks that were, like, Mm. tuning in every Tuesday at at noon, you know, and that was just, like, such a great, um, thing that we felt like we had really built this little community of folks who were all coming together every week. Um, yeah. So that was really Huge. exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel that you have a really important job, um, you know, acting as the voice of, of the Getty. Um, through social media, you know, you have a chance to reach and inspire and communicate art to people everywhere, all around the world. And I was just kind of wondering, do you have any advice for others who seek to create a creative and inspiring image for their own museum? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, I feel like when I look at other accounts that, um, from other museums, like uh, Ryan Dodge does a great, and his colleague do a great job with this at Royal Ontario Museum, like you can just feel that they're working from a place of love for the institution and love for the subject matter and love for the audience. So you can feel the love and the joy there. So if you can be fortunate enough to work from a place where those things, where you can tap into those in your in in yourself, I mean that's mm-hmm. the that's the sort of obvious <laughs> but hard key to creating this stuff and um, sort of treat what you're giving your audience as a gift of generosity instead of an act of persuasion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like we have these amazing, cool things and we want to share them with you as opposed to you really should come and see XYZ exhibit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's like a, 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 it's like a mind training exercise, I guess, um, about just always saying, what do we have to offer and why is this wonderful? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy, you know, with the pressures of, of the day-to-day work to kind of get lost in just having to put out a message or something, but it's, um, I always kind of try to think about that. Um, And then remembering, too, that your audience, our audiences are just, they're smarter than us. They're smarter than us collectively, (laughs) and in many cases, they're smarter than us individually. Um, You know, really respecting that and thinking about what, how we can make things together. you know, it was really fun. I, those are all very, like, touchy-feely answers. Um, mm-hmm. I should probably give you some no, <laughs> real-world answers. <laughs> no, so, like, great. at the beginning, I was telling you about how I have, like, a basically a background in language and words. And, um, yeah. I mean, if if any folks are interested in kind of getting into um, communications or social media messaging, um, I think the, the sort of job skill that's really critical is telling, telling stories um, in a human way with, with images. Um, so, you know, two, three years ago when you were getting hired for a social job, you know, you were looking for a writer and now, you know, people are looking for media producers. That's sort of the core skill set. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you have to be able to know both, but um, sort of thinking visual first and being able to execute that in an interesting way is just um, more and more important all the time. 
I don't know if that answered. If that didn't answer your question, please please feel free to tell me. (laughs) No, that was really great. Um, Listen, Annalisa, I really appreciate this this interview. It was really great, and uh, I think you've given me and and the class just some really wonderful insight into your job and and what it's like to work uh, doing and using social media for a museum. So um, I, I can't thank you enough. Well, I really appreciate um, the opportunity. I'm honored that you asked me, and um, I hope that your class um, learns a lot from all the interviews and goes on to find exactly the right job for you. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they will. Thank you so much. Um, like I said, I'll, I'll try to share the, the interview with you. Okay, thanks, Jasmine. I appreciate it. Okay, you, you, you take care and have a lovely day. You too. Have a good night. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye-bye.